This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. Uh, In today's world, with the use of virtual tools such as Zoom, I, like so many other mediators, have found that geography no longer poses the same limitations in a mediation context that it once did. Uh, A mediation I conducted a few months ago uh, involved one party that was located in Bangladesh, for example. And those of us who mediate in California uh, and in other jurisdictions throughout the United States know there are expectations about the mediation process that may be different depending on where the mediation is being held or where participants, including attorneys, are located. Is mediation approached differently on the East Coast than on the West or throughout the US for that matter? Does geography make a difference in mediation? These are some of the topics uh, or part of what we're gonna be uh, covering today uh, with our guest, Jeff Truman, who will provide us with valuable insight that he brings to the subject by way of a prior law practice and current mediation practice based in Baltimore, Maryland. And also, he has a West Coast perspective by virtue of his experience and training, as well as his position as an adjunct professor at the prestigious Strauss Institute for Dispute Resolution at the Pepperdine School of Law in Malibu, California. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of Jeff's background, uh, Jeff is an experienced full-time mediator and arbitrator. Uh, He helps parties resolve a wide variety of litigated and pre-suit disputes and interpersonal problems concerning catastrophic injuries, wrongful death, professional malpractice, employment, business disillusion, real property, and domestic relations. Jeff also is a past director of dispute resolution for the circuit court for Baltimore City, where he oversaw over 70 retired judges and senior attorneys, conducted over 1,500 mediations, settlement conferences, and neutral evaluations per year. Uh, He's a distinguished fellow with the International Academy of Mediators, which is an invitation-only organization consisting of some of the most successful commercial mediators in the world. Welcome, Jeff, and it's great to have you on Masters of Dispute Resolution. Thank you, Len. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, I, I'm going to start right out with uh, with a California flavor a little bit. Um, in, in 
kind of get, giving homage to your Malibu connection. Uh, and I'm going to start out with Surfing USA. The song starts, if everybody had an ocean across the USA, then everybody'd be surfing like California. Um, many of the pioneers in mediation field have taught at the Strauss Institute, and a significant number of top mediators have received their training there. So since I began my, my mediation training about 24 years ago with some of the some of the people at Strauss, uh, Randy Lowry uh, and, and others, uh, I've had the impression that the Strauss approach to mediation has been integrated into a significant part of the mediation culture throughout the country, uh, as if everyone wants to be like California. <laughs> um, yet I also discern there's some differences and perhaps cultural norms in different jurisdictions. Uh, is my impression correct? I think so. It's funny about the the impression that California has, at least in the mid-Atlantic region, you know, where I uh, practice, is how some people will say, well, you know, we're not doing it like California, okay? Uh, <laughs> you know, as if we're sort of more hard-nosed and more badass than they are. And I don't think that's the case, but sometimes I roll with it. I, what I like to think about California is how many really good, insightful unique mediators have come out of that market. And maybe it's because it all kind of started there. Um, I'm very uh, humbled and feel myself very fortunate that I've been able to not only study at Strauss, but develop some really good relationships with some of the just, you know, really awesome, truly talented, insightful people. And um, I just really think that it's an asset because you can call on them when you have a really thorny problem. <laughs> In fact, I was just on the line with somebody, Lee J. Berman, uh, about a case that's been percolating along and I wanted to get some feedback. And what's wonderful about the community is that you 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 can do that. Um, you know, it's, a, it's not like you wanna take a lot of their time. You need to be respectful, obviously, but there's just some wonderful insights that have come out of your neck of the woods and it's drawing people from all over. The great thing about Strauss is that you get people from the whole entire world that wanna be there. And so when we talk about the differences in the practice, yeah, I think there are differences. You know, whether or not that will melt away because of Zoom, I, I think it may. But look, if you can borrow some ideas from California and make it work on an East Coast mediation, terrific. No one necessarily needs to know. <laughs> you right. know? By, by the way, Lee J has been a guest on, on this podcast and uh, his uh, interview was just released. So uh, as, as the time we're taping this, uh, he, he's a very good friend and, and um, uh, a great resource, as, as you say. You know, one of the one of the I don't want to focus on differences because we're mediators. We, we, we want we want um, to get people to overcome differences, not not to focus on them. But there are a couple of things that that people bring to mediation uh, in, in terms of expectations. And one of them in California has been, oh, gosh, I don't like joint sessions. Uh, and and could you comment on on the differences there? Yes, and I have been more adopting of the California standard to sort of start in separate caucuses and then see where we are. 
because I'll try to have a conversation with counsel ahead of time to get a good sense of what we're all getting into. Um, but by and large, I start in caucus, but reserve the right and often do bring the parties together later in the day, sometimes at the last stage, if we're trying to bridge a gap, or I'll have the lawyers um, talk if there's a good rapport. That to me is a really good asset to use. So I will, on the other hand, I've heard people like Jeff Krivis, who's another LA based legend, um, mm -hmm. along with Eric Galton and some others in Austin talk about some strategic reasons. Um, Tracy Allen's another one who's talked about this. What are the strategic reasons to maybe have a joint session? And it's, you're bringing those ideas up to council as a resource. And that's something that they will appreciate if you can at least have that conversation with them about why you might want to have a joint session. Right. And, and have you found that there is a great deal of resistance uh, depending on where the mediation is taking place or, or not? No, I don't think it's geographically driven at all. Okay. I think it's about the dynamic between the parties. Okay. Well, we, we're going to take a break. We are uh, in Masters of Dispute Resolution. We're speaking with Jeff Truman uh, about things geographic uh, in mediation, and uh, we will be back shortly. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. They're professional liability experts. Shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to lawyerspecific.com and click request a quote. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and I'm chatting with Jeff Truman about things geographic in mediation. And um, we were we were talking about joint sessions. And I think uh, during the break, you had an observation about uh, other jurisdictions outside this country, perhaps. Yes, as I'm aware of the, uh, the folks at uh, CEDAR, um, and I forget the words behind the acronym, but in the larger UK, European area, that practitioners by and large um, stay in joint session as long as they can, uh, even in litigated cases. Um, I find that to be a great place to start talking to those practitioners about uh, how and why. And it's just a great conversation every time I have a chance to chat with some folks overseas who, who practice in, in mediation of litigated cases to, as to how they, how they can get through some really tough situations where people have taken the problem, internalized it, and sort of otherized their opponent and demonize them. And, you know, sometimes a dispute over a contract is not about the language. It's about who got mad and why. <laughs> right? right? So, right. Uh, and, that, and that can then sort of open the, 
you know, start us off down the, the wrong road about, um, you know, well, they did it because they're bad people. You're, they're a bad corporation, blah, 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 blah. They have bad reputation. I mean, you've, we've all dealt with this as mediators. And, 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 and yet when that dynamic starts to unfold in a joint session, it's very hard to keep that together. Right. And, you know, what I think uh, is, the, is the resistance, at least that I've seen, is that the, the attorneys are fearful that their client might say something or something bad is going to happen. Um, it it kind of runs counter to the whole mediating dangerously concept uh, uh, that uh, that that has has been um, part of our culture as mediators uh, for for a long time. Ever since Ken Cloak wrote that book, um, but but. Uh, People shouldn't be afraid of joint sessions. They should, I think, uh, uh, embrace the good things that can come out of it. And the things that you can't accomplish, as you've just described, uh, you've you've described situations where you you can't overcome certain things by caucusing. So um, it's, it's a matter of getting the attorneys uh, getting the uh, parties to buy into, look, I'll be in a room um, with, so, uh, whether it's virtual or otherwise, um, with, the other, uh, with the other side. Um, the, the, one of the things that, that is, the, is the hallmark, and just switching subjects here for a second, one of the uh, hallmarks of, of, of mediation, of course, is confidentiality. And uh, in California, we have the evidence codes codified the the confidentiality um, uh, aspect of, of mediation. Um, is there any difference in in East Coast uh, confidentiality rules? Big time in Maryland. I I've written a piece about this. Um, I I was very frustrated a couple of years ago when our state decided to adopt and I guess revamp our practice standards, um, the way we in, in our state have defined mediation in terms of it um, in court referred cases, okay, and then under the separate statute of confidentiality for mediation is a facilitated process. And, you know, not to open up the tired old debate about whether mediation can be evaluative or not, um, on those markers, on, the, on, a, on a court referred case, and with regard to Maryland confidentiality under the statute, the answer is mediation is facilitative. And I've just talked very respectfully and um, uh, with, with regard to our colleagues in the UK who practice a facilitative model, but I am one who likes to have all tools available. I don't really wanna be defined by a particular uh, practice framework and I won't be. So my frustration is that confidentiality is tied to that framework in Maryland. Because if you're not practicing mediation, you're doing settlement conference or something else that isn't protected under the statute. The only way around that is to have your parties and your lawyers sign a document that you bring to the mediation or have them sign in advance that says, everyone agrees, this is confidential. And the, one of our appellate courts has upheld that that uh, tool that that document that contract is valid and that you can't really I mean especially you can get around it for 
some reasons that would be public policy reasons, but for the most part, that will hold. So yes, there are differences. And I know that if, if, if you're a practitioner who is practicing across state lines, going back to our geographical conversation, you may very well have issues that really no one's thought about. If something blows up or you're close and, you, and now all of a sudden the deal blows up uh, and people wanna start alleging these things and that, and you know, well, you said this, da, da, da. Now, so which state's provisions of confidentiality apply? Uh, it can be a really, and that can be itself its own thorny wicket. And maybe the mediator should have made that clear. That can be a problem. Right. And you know something, one of the things that is, uh, that is, has become a practice in California is that very often no mediation agreement is signed. No, no uh, confidentiality agreement is signed. It's we're operating under these rules. It sounds like a duck. It quacks. Therefore, it's mediation. And um, and the courts in um, in cases like Cassell and, and others uh, have have basically treated it as the uh, as sacrosanct. Uh, and so the ramifications of what you're talking about can be considerable for, for practitioners. If you're talking about uh, things like um, like documents that are produced for the purpose of mediation, in California, it's going to be protected. If you're in Maryland and you have a mediator that is if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, if you have a mediator that is being more directive than facilitative and somebody makes the argument, well, this wasn't really a mediation. Um, documents produced that you think are protected may not be. Is, is that a ramification there? It absolutely is. I mean, because I think, first of all, everyone believes that if we're talking about settling the case with the help of somebody else, retired judge, lawyer, whatever, it's mediation. The fact is under the court rules, and again, these are cases that are referred by the court to mediation, or the court may schedule its own settlement conference. Settlement conferences are not protected by and large. If the parties sign something that say, we'll keep it confidential, that's that's a contract and that can be enforceable. But by and large, if the lawyers think that a settlement conference is mediation when it's not, they're thinking that their communications are protected when they're not. Wow. It, that also has a, a, a ramification. The Cassell case that I mentioned had to do with malpractice uh, and and whether an attorney uh, who was sued for malpractice can uh, defend it on the basis that the evidence is not admissible because it was produced in the context of mediation. Um, in, in Maryland, that could be a problem, correct? Yeah, yes. I mean, you could make the argument, let's say, that the information is subject to the rules, which otherwise say that you know communications to try to settle a case are essentially protected. But that's a different. It could be a different standard. There's different um, laws, or I, I'm, I'm thinking of more common law that has to do with that. Right. Well, Jeff, we're we're going to be uh, we're going to be taking another break uh, and. Uh, this is Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm chatting with Jeff Truman about uh, some of the differences that really can make a difference in mediation depending on where you're mediating. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. 
Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, nadn.org, is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today, with over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online, making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org. Org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. We are uh, chatting with Jeff Truman. Uh, Jeff is an attorney and mediator, a full-time mediator now, and adjunct uh, law professor at Strauss Institute. Um, and we're gathering some very valuable information for uh, those who may be uh, mediating in different jurisdictions. Um, one of the things that that our discussion has has kind of brought home to me is uh, you be better have a mediation agreement before uh, the party starts so that everyone knows the rules of the road. Uh, this comes may come up in multi-district litigation uh, cases that are being mediated uh, or if you're handling a case uh, as an attorney uh, and you happen to go back to uh, to Baltimore, Maryland, uh, you better be aware of a few things. Right, Jeff? Yes, it always helps. Um, like we were saying, I think the I think most people oh, I shouldn't say this, but I would imagine that most practitioners use some sort of engagement letter or some sort of engagement agreement that may have some sort of confidentiality language in there or perhaps perhaps reference, as you said, a, a rule or a statute, uh, some sort of citation so that everyone knows. And I would assume that those citations are to the provisions that everyone operates under for the most part. But once you start to blur the lines and you have folks participating from elsewhere, or the case may uh, deal with assets or claims that come from elsewhere, you may in fact want to identify a state or particular jurisdictions confidentiality regime or rules in order to make clear that X is protected. I think from a practical perspective too, let the lawyers know that you know what? The process begins the moment this thing is signed. So when I reach out to you and I talk to you, that's mediation and it's protected, it's confidential. Um, I, I just think it's good to make sure that those small things get addressed so that, and if we don't settle at it and we've got to follow up for a week, that is mediation. And it's, it's one big sweep of time. Right. Um, just in case there's no stuff, disputes, you know, whatever that comes up later on. And just just to be clear, 
the rules that you're talking about are not just court connected, court referred mediation that that um, that talk about the facilitated model. Or am I, I incorrect on that? Well, again, there's a set of rules that apply to court referred cases in Maryland. OK, mm-hmm. and that's a facilitated model. Okay. There's also a statute that says that, you know, for those kinds of cases, um, confidentiality automatically applies if you're mediating. Okay, and I say that with quotes around it. If you are not, then you're you're doing some other process. And of course, what's not spoken is in that statute is that therefore it doesn't apply. The right. statute doesn't apply. So the way around that again is to get an agreement where you where you describe and you put forth what the confidentiality provisions are going to be, rather than leaving it to the rules of evidence or the rules of civil procedure that may or may not have enough protection for whatever is at issue. So, and again, that has been upheld by one of our appellate courts that you can, the parties can agree to whatever those terms are gonna be for confidentiality. But it's the thing that I, that makes me crazy is, is to kind of play off of the difference between settlement conference and mediation, knowing darn well that for most users of the process, they really don't care whether you call it XYZ or the moon or something else, they all look at it as mediation. It's only us as practitioners who have been too wound up in these um, frameworks that self-identify. I'm this kind of mediator. It's like, I'm just a mediator trying to find a way to help people as best I can. Usually they want to settle the case. Sometimes they don't. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's really about sending a signal. And that's not necessarily a bad way to use the process. It's just, it can be frustrating. That's all, but it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. So rather than tell me as a practitioner that you're not mediating, if you're doing a settlement conference model, yeah. I just make sure that I have my own agreement so I can do it the way I want to do it. Exactly. <laughs> you know? cut, cut, cut through it all. Yeah. And, and, you know, you bring up something also that, that, uh, that always struck me as kind of a, uh, an oxymoron in, in a sense. Uh, the, the court connected mediations have become uh, and, and have been for years uh, the the way a lot of cases get get resolved. I mean, a court refers the case to mediation. Very often, it's not the court referring the case to mediation, but ordering it to mediation. The oxymoron comes in where you think of mediation as a voluntary process. So you've been ordered to participate in a voluntary process. So how do you, do you discern different attitudes that people have going into the voluntary process that they've been ordered to participate in? Yes, and I will say further that usually there is, I mean, the court has to try to enforce its orders. Mm-hmm. Um, or or not, or pick and choose how it's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it, it can sort of boil down to, ver- to, to, to different ways it manifests itself. Like For example, you would have lawyers that say, well, we're here because we're supposed to be, but we're not going to settle the case. And of course, that gets my back up a little bit on the <laughs> one hand, because I'll say, well, why don't we try at least? You're here, they're here, you know, and sometimes we'd be settling and signing something Maybe it's three hours later, granted, but maybe it's two hour or an hour later. And I'm thinking to myself, it's all I can do to keep my mouth shut and not say, see, I told you so, <laughs> you know, but on the other hand, 
Uh, it could lead to things like, well, I'm not bringing my um, adjuster or I'm not bringing my client who's, who has this claim because we're not gonna settle and we're ordered to be here anyway. And then if you're looking for the court to enforce and say, well, now you're wasting everyone's time, the court's time, is there a judge that's going to really enforce that order? And the answer is some may, some may not for the very reason you've articulated. Some may not because they see mediation as a voluntary process and the court really, I mean, how, how much can you really compel them to have a meaningful conversation? It's very hard to enforce, right? you know? So uh, I agree with you, it can be really hard and, and you just have to kind of learn the court or learn the judge and decide, you know, okay, so well, if it doesn't work out, what's our plan B? And if, if that's me as the court administrator of the program, that's one set of answers. If it's me as the attorney, it's another. If it's me as the mediator, you know, it's like I got to kind of decide what's going to work for me in that instance. Okay, let, let's, let's talk about you as the mediator. You have people coming to you and sometimes they want, as you've described, they want their ticket punch, so to speak. You know, well, see, judge, we did it. Um, but they, they come there with the idea of just getting their ticket punch. Um, how do you suggest attorneys who are going to have to participate if the judge orders them to, to be there? How do you suggest they approach it to make the best use of their time? Well, you know, look, if the reputation of the program is such that they really care and want to help you as best they can, call that program administrator in advance and say, you know, at least have a little bit of a conversation. But I, as the mediator, would say, look, you're here before me with regardless of, of why or how. Let's do what we can. And maybe it's just about getting information out there. Maybe we can't settle, but let's position it so that we have the best conversation. Each side gets the best look at the terms, and then you decide, okay? We are going to take another break, and we will be back to Masters of Dispute Resolution and resume our discussion with Jeff Truman. When we return, uh, I'm going to ask Jeff uh, about how to prepare your client best for a uh, for a mediation that may have been court ordered. We'll be back. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder Lucy Barron for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and my guest is Jeff Truman. Um, We've just been talking about court-ordered mediation, uh, being ordered to participate in a voluntary process and the different attitudes that people bring to that. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that I've always thought is, look, you're there anyway, and Jeff has articulated this, you're, you're there anyway, uh, or you're going to be there. Let's actually take this seriously and prepare your client for the uh, for the session, uh, 
And um, how do you how do you suggest that attorneys help change their clients' attitude uh, and and take it seriously, even though it's quote free for uh, well at least in 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 California it's free for for three hours uh, thereabouts. Does it work the same way in in Maryland? I don't know. Well, I think in federal cases, it's free. Settlement Mm -hmm. conferences in state court are free. If the court orders you to mediation, you Mm -hmm. have to pay the mediator's rate, which is set by the court. And that hasn't been adjusted, I think, in over 20 years. It's a huge other conversation I will sidestep uh, because I know there's a lot of frustration amongst practitioners here about that. But by and large, it's it, it, it can be free. So it's I understand it. it so now, and that sort of has its own dynamic because if you're not really paying for it and there's a small amount of time and you're ordered to do it, you might not approach it with as much seriousness or, or value around it. And I think that it can be challenging. I think, look, as the lawyer who is assessing whether or not trial is a good uh, dispute resolution mechanism, how efficient it is, how effective it may be, Maybe you have a case that just needs to be litigated. I recall that there was one that had to do with zoning laws um, and it had to do with some city you know, regulations around food trucks. And I thought that's a great case for us to mediate. In fact, we can get ahead of it and maybe we'll bring you guys in early. And I'm having all these conversations with the lawyers and it was going nowhere. And the reason why is because there was money coming from DC that had to do with more about the anti-government stance of you can't tell business people what to do. That that so it had more to do with a much larger agenda, and you know the lawyers who were getting that money wanted to litigate it because they knew they would get paid. So it was just one of those instances where I had to back down and realize that if I was one of the lawyers, I'd realize that you know what, thanks Jeff, but no thanks. Maybe on the next case or something else, different dynamic. I could use you to help us, you know, but not in this case. Right. So it depends on the dynamic. I think I think one basic question I wish all lawyers would ask their clients would be this. If you want to make a point, mediation can't really help you. But if you want to make a deal, mediation can. I think it's that simple. Right. I really do. Because right. if you're if you if you're there to make a point about how bad they are in the other room, or about how much you need to be vindicated as a victim or whatever, like that, go to court. Good luck with that, because it's gonna take forever. You don't know how much it's gonna cost. You don't know how it's gonna turn out, all that stuff. And it may never end because of post-trial motions, appeals, remands, all that stuff, fine. But if you really can see how that might not help you in your life, and in fact, getting a deal might help you because it gives you the resources, you get certainty, you can move on with your life and do things that are actually productive in the world, maybe getting a deal is a good way to go. Or at least talk about getting a deal. No one's going to force you to get the deal, but you can talk about it and then you know compare that to how much do I need to make this point versus terms that I might be able to get to move on. That's and, where mediation can help you. And, you know, and, and taking it even one step further, uh, the I have always considered the making a deal being a being one level, reaching resolution being another level, and because making a deal 
for example, if you are uh, in a, a situation where the party is going to be having to interact with each other in the future and you do some family law situations, right? right? Yeah. And, but it happens not just in family law, business, that yeah. type of thing. Making a deal to, solves a problem. It may resolve a lawsuit, but it doesn't resolve the the party's differences. Can you can you comment on that? Because I know you have some great thoughts on that. Well, you're totally right about that. I was I was trying to focus in, I guess, on a lot of the kinds of cases we would see in the court, and a lot of the kinds of cases that are injury related and that there's just an ins- a pot of insurance money. But you're right, there's a whole nother universe of cases, whether they be litigated or not, where resolution really does stand as a different sort of outcome. And it may be resolution within oneself, you know, mm-hmm. to realize that I, I, I need to listen to the fact that I've been sued and I need to change my practices. I need to listen to what's going on with this other person as much as it may make me crazy and we will never agree on whether the light was red or green. I need to hear and understand. And you know, that may take a long time, but even in the cases where there are continuing relationships, as difficult as those conversations may be, as difficult as it is for people to see their opponent in a different way, you're right. It is, it's, it's incumbent upon the lawyer to say, well, look, mediation's flexible, okay? You don't really know what's gonna happen in the sense that if you've got a good mediator and I'm there as your lawyer, it's, it can be a safe space. You don't have to worry about being exposed or having something bad happen because the control resides within you. And that I think is probably, again, a simple but very basic fundamental premise like, look, you have more control in that process over going to court and hoping that Lady Justice, who has the scales, no one thinks about what she's got in her other hand, which is a big sword, <laughs> when she's right. blindfolded, right. you know, that might be a better way to so that you have the control. And when people say, but Jeff, was this fair? I sometimes get that at the end of a, of a, of a case. It's settled that day and everything's going fine. And But Jeff, was this fair? My response is, well, I don't think you could be more fair when you got to have the say. Right. You got to determine what was right in this case. Well, one one of the things that that's clear is that, and 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 I I point this out to uh, to parties uh, very often, um, and that is, the judge is going to decide the case on the facts applied to the 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 law. Okay, a jury is going to do the same thing. The one thing that these that those folks are not going to do, they are not going to say, what is in this party's best interest or that party's best interest? This, a mediation, even if it's, it's court ordered and you're ordered to be there voluntarily, gives you the, an opportunity to decide, you know what, I can get something that I may not be able to get I have, I will, as you've pointed out, I have control. And not only do I have control, I also have control over whether my interests are taken into account. That's right. And there's a lot to be said for that, where uh, your interests can be so many, so many things. It can come, 
in the form of quote relief that you get out of the deal or out of the out of the mediation and it may be a conversation that really matters uh you know and again going back to our business case where the contract blew up it's not because of the language it's because someone got mad right. well why maybe something maybe it blew up and it, and it could be fixed readily Maybe it got so caught up into litigation that now parties have really soured toward each other, but it doesn't mean all hope is lost. It just means we got to build up some trust. And that's not impossible to do. It just takes some effort. A lot of magical things can happen. And that's where you hope the lawyers have seen that and can convey that to their client. Jeff, I, I wish we could continue this conversation, but we are out of time. And I want to thank you very, very much for being a guest on on this podcast. Uh, we have so much more to talk about that um, I I definitely want to have you back uh, when you have some time and 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 we can we can chat some more. Um, and uh, as, as we wrap up, how can listeners contact you? What's the best way? I'm online. Uh, my website is my name, uh, jefftruman.com. I have an E in my last name. So although I'd like to think I'm related to Harry S. Truman, I am not that I know of. So it's T-R-U-E-M-A-N. They can shoot me an email. My initial is JT at jefftruman.com. So, I mean, I'm out there, but I appreciate This was a lot of fun and I can't believe it's, oh, I feel like we just gotten started here, Len, right. but thank you. <laughs> right. As I said at the beginning, it's kind of a mini seminar. Um, we could do a whole session on this uh, all day. Um, but in any event, thank you again for the conversation. Uh, and thank you, Daryl Wayne, engineer. Uh, and producer today. I'm Len Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. Uh, And in the meantime, until we meet again, stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at advservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com. Telephone him at 818-903-5562 or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.